morning once again. My name is Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here at Mel City. So glad that you could join us. We're so grateful for those of you who are maybe connecting with us with, for one of the first few times. We're just grateful to have you. We have a really welcoming community. We'd love to get you connected. We are in the middle of a conversation, actually wrapping up a conversation on the book of Acts, but we're right in the middle of what we decided to do for this whole year, which is to read and to teach on the New Testament from beginning to end throughout all of 2020 to say, what if we allow the narrative of Jesus and the beginning of the church to be the narrative that guides our life in the midst of all the other narratives that will come at us in the world? Of course, we did not realize that a pandemic was one of those narratives that we were gonna engage, but man, has it been meaningful for us to be thinking about what the story of God has to do with how we live out our stories today in the midst of so many things that none of us expected. And so here we are wrapping up the conversation on the book of Acts. And we're calling it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is often referred to as the Acts of the Apostles, but we're kind of unashamedly saying, we're saying it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because what we've experienced is when you read the book of Acts, you see the movement of the Holy Spirit. And the other human beings are just trying to join in what that Spirit is doing and respond to that Spirit as the Holy Spirit of Jesus leads us into the future. And so we call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to wrap up that conversation and we've talked about discerning the Holy Spirit's movement in our lives, what it looks like to discern in the midst of disruption. And today what I want to talk about is how we can follow the Spirit's lead even in the plot twists in life. Feels appropriate, I hope, to you. It does to me. But not only today are you going to hear about that from me, but I've also got my good friend Joe Saxton here with us this morning. Welcome, Hi. Joe. Hi. I'm so glad that you're here Hi. with us. Joe and I have been friends for a long time. I don't know exactly how long. I'm saying we're gearing towards a decade. We're gearing towards a decade. Gearing towards a decade. And it's been it's been an adventure. Yes. <laughs> yes, it has. I, an excellent one. I feel as though there's not been a dull moment since I met you. And some mm. of that, if not much of it, is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot be held responsible for your choices. <laughs> I know. I know. But, you know, in all seriousness, you're someone who has challenged me to follow mm. the leadership of the Holy mm. Spirit more intentionally in my life than most any other mentor and friend. And so I think that that's part of what makes it so adventurous. <laughs> that's good. I like that. I like that reason. It's been, you've challenged me and encouraged me to do that. You've been a pastor, a church planter. Mm -hmm. You've led leadership programs. You are now a leadership coach and a speaker and an author. And so you've seen a lot of different things in regards yeah. to ministry and life and personally experienced so much in your own life. Pretty different than me, but there's some, some cool overlap, which is yes. where our friendship has been really yeah. meaningful. Um, but I've learned so much from you because you've had such a different experience than me, too. Cool. So I thought maybe you could come share some stories with us as we talk about what it looks like to, to follow the Spirit's lead in the midst of the, the plot twists. Plot twists, yes. <laughs> you've had a few plot twists. There's been a few. We will not talk about all of them. No, we'll no. do just a, we'll, a segment. A segment. A segment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you le le have led in England, and now you're over here in the U.S. Yeah. And have been all around the world, really, um, talking about some of these very same things. Yeah. Definitely. So today together, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the journey of the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul is, I think, arguably one of the main characters in the book of Acts, right? And as we continue on through the New Testament, we'll see that he has authored a lot of the New Testament, of the, the, the letters that are written to these various churches that he's a part of the beginnings of and the birthing of these new churches. So what we wanted to do is say, okay, let's look at this guy's life and how he tries to follow the Holy Spirit's leadership in the midst of the plot twists of his life. And so how does he do that? What does this look like? And then what can we learn about how we need to follow the Holy Spirit and can follow the Holy Spirit in the midst of the plot twists that we're experiencing in our life? And so uh, 
absolutely, this is going to be a, main, a real big flyover. The Book of Acts has got a lot going on. Some of you are following our reading plan. Um, I really encourage you to jump in. It doesn't matter if you've been reading up until now. Uh, you can listen to the Bible, have it read to you. We're looking at these stories and acts and there's a lot going on. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot in every single chapter yeah. that's happening. And so what we're going to do is this timeline of Paul's life just in the book of Acts, because of course, then we're going to head into Romans and beyond and see more of what happens in his life and ministry. So I've got this timeline. This is like my nerdy, nerdy <laughs> pastor timeline. So uh, it's he, good though. It's, it's a good timeline. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so here's the Apostle Paul in Acts. Now, this is a this is a very broad overview. Some of the years are kind of debated. You know how people are. Yeah. You know how scholars are. <laughs> and <laughs> trying to figure out exactly what was happening. But we're looking at this experience of Paul. We're seeing him uh, awkwardly, somebody who was leading in persecuting yeah. Jesus followers. Yeah, it, it wasn't a great beginning. <laughs> no. <laughs> like like many of our stories. Like many of our stories. <laughs> Perhaps not holding the coats of someone who was about to be murdered, but still. But right, right. Yeah, yeah. he, I mean, he's, he's right there in some of the most painful parts of the beginning yeah. of the church. And so his encounter with Jesus then a few years later is really powerful. Incredible. I mean, miraculous yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, and while we could talk a long time about exactly how that happens, he becomes a really devoted follower of Jesus and yeah. someone who wants the Holy Spirit to be leading him in his life. It's pretty powerful. Completely redefined. Completely redefined his life. And so then he begins this ministry and there's some time when people are kind of coaching him, mentoring him. He begins to mentor and disciple other people. And then he goes on these journeys. Many times people have heard of the missionary journeys of Paul. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I would go to the back of my Bible and I would look for those little maps. maps. Yeah. yeah. I'd look at these like colorful little maps and I'd get kind of bored. So I would just be like, oh, look at the, follow the blue line. Yeah. Follow the green line. Which is your favorite. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I think that I thought maybe this was the map he was following rather than this is oh. the map that was made <laughs> after he wandered his way through following the Holy Spirit, him and his companions. So the, the lines on the map are not actually telling him where to go. They're now telling us where he yes. went. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, I mean, I really thought that. I was like, that's neat that God gave him that map. When will I get mine? Because <laughs> we don't get that map. No. I haven't gotten no. it at least. And so he's got these different journeys, and we could talk a lot about what happens in the journeys. I really hope you'd read what happens. The Jerusalem Council is pretty significant yeah. because you've got this moment where they discern together, it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit, that they should really radically welcome in the Gentile believers or the people who aren't Absolutely. Jewish, which is pretty, I mean, that's a, that's I mean, a that's poignant moment in history, like climactic again. moment. Complete plot twist. Complete plot twist. For them anyway. Yeah. For them. Jesus had already told them to go in that direction, but yeah. <laughs> it was a plot twist for the church. And isn't that interesting how there is sometimes that gap between figuring out how to respond? Yeah. <laughs> that we're kind of stumbling our way, and you see them kind of stumbling their way through so how true. do we actually do this whole welcoming in the Gentile mm -hmm. believers. Man, they're doing cross-cultural life. Yeah. And any of us who've done that know that's very challenging. It's very challenging. Yeah. And so then we've got the second journey, and then Antioch is this place where there's lots of training and sending and people coming in and out and uh, amazing things. He goes on this third journey. Wow, this guy has done three main big journeys. I mean, yeah. this has happened already. And then uh, a pretty important moment where he's been, he's been dealing with being imprisoned before, but here he's arrested and jailed, and we've got this three-year time frame yeah. where he's actually in prison. And you could assume at that point that that means he's restricted. Yes. That because he's restricted phys physically, that that kind of shuts it down. Right. But that's not the story. But that's not what happens. That's not how it works. That's not what happens. He's got this journey to Rome, which we're going to zoom in on in a second. And then a house arrest, which some of us are feeling like that hooks us a little bit. Yeah. Some, the words is like, oh. House awkward. arrest. I feel like I'm on house arrest. Um, of course, that's not exactly what we're experiencing. He had an actual guard 
watching over him during this time. But I mean, three years of being in house arrest. Being, yeah. And so we'll zoom in on that in a second. But what I want to show us is as we get ready to go into the rest of the New Testament, so many of these letters, these heartfelt letters are written mm. to these new churches and these people who are who are also facing persecution in very yeah. difficult times. He's writing these letters. Let's look at where he where these letters fall. So we see, um, and we'll have this for people to be able to download so you can look at it close up. But we see in the first journey, at one point, he ends up writing the book of Galatians, the letter, the, the letter to that church, First and Second Thessalonians. First and Second Corinthians and Romans are written during the third journey. And in that journey, he says, I long to be with the church in Rome. He's got yeah. this kind of plea at the very beginning, yeah. which we'll see when we head into the book of Romans, where he's just, I want to be with you guys. I want to come see you. But there's actually no real plan for him to do that. Once again, he didn't have the map with the lines on no. it yet. Uh, and so then we actually see in the house arrests that Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians, we think, I mean, as far as scholars know, were all written during this time when he was on house arrest. Incredible. It's really incredible. And so let's zoom in here and say, okay, if we're looking at just this journey to Rome, that sounds quaint. I took a journey to Rome. Italy. I'm just having a little journey. I had a little vacation. That's not, not what it was. Not, what, not even <laughs> no. remotely close. Not even remotely. Not even, not even, not even the same page. Uh, well, so he's arrested and he's jailed. And then when he gets on a ship, he's on the ship as a prisoner. Mm -hmm. And he's with other sailors and then a bunch of prisoners. So he's one of the many prisoners on a ship. And the ship is headed, it sounds like going towards parts of Asia. We're not exactly sure yeah. exactly where they're, they're trying to go. Um, but then it says some wind took them off course. Yeah, that's quite a strong wind when you think of experienced sailors. Yeah. And I mean, this is not the first time they'll have made that passage. No. So when the wind takes you off course, that's some wind. And that's, that's, um, that's a very decisive move in another direction. Absolutely. Not by them. Right. And we know that in uh, last week we were watching this video, The Bible Project, and they mm -hmm. talked about uh, the way that ruach means yeah. wind. Wind. Same word for spirit. So I watch that and I go, so was the Holy Spirit turning Just the ship? <laughs> I mean, we don't know exactly, but yeah. that's what it sounds like to me. The Holy Spirit was turning the ship. So here we've got Paul trying to still follow the Holy Spirit while he's a prisoner, then a prisoner on a ship headed to an unknown location. <laughs> and uh, not only does the wind take them off course, but they end up running into hurricane force winds, it says. Mm -hmm. So they're experiencing major dangerous yeah. waters. I mean, they're being tossed. And it says for many days, people aren't eating, probably because I wouldn't be able to eat if I was on a ship that no. was tossed and turned. Um, and then Paul, plot twist, gets a vision while he's sleeping from an angel from God saying, don't be afraid. Anybody who's on the ship with you won't die. <laughs> there's, you? there's a word to communicate with everybody. Yeah, right. Hey, everybody. And so then he does, actually. And why don't I read it? Because it's, it's just it's crazy. Good. It's good. It's good. So he comes up. This is in Acts 27, uh, verse 21. So after they had gone a long time without food, <laughs> I can't even imagine. It's just so, I mean, it's like we giggle because you, either you laugh or you cry. Yeah, this is terrible. It is that moment. It is that it? bad. Yeah, after they've gone without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice and not sail from Crete. Wait, so they were going to take the advice of one of the prisoners? Probably okay. not. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. They had thrown a bunch of stuff overboard. But now I urge you, I urge you to keep up your courage. <laughs> because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Well, that's comforting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they thought he was hallucinating at this yeah, point. Probably. You're like, okay. Yeah. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong. Yeah, them. it's not getting stronger, his no, case, no, is his it, case. really? The angel to the God to whom I belong. These people probably believed in multiple gods. Multiple. Yeah. So they're like, okay, so your God said what? And he says, said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage. 
men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. This is, I mean, I think I would have thrown up afterwards. I I think I would have just turned and thrown up. Thrown up again. Again. It's like, okay, whatever. I don't even, how would you even deal with that? Where do you even begin? And I just think, I think of this story and I think of, you read through the book of Acts, there is enough action in this story that you could put it up against any other storyline. Yeah. Oh my this goodness. This is full of so many unusual t- plot twists and turns. Absolutely. And this is definitely one of them. Well, the story goes that they actually do end up making it through this crazy wind, um, but there's no way the ship's going to be able to, to actually sail into any sort of port. And so they run into a sandbar. They do jump and swim. And the people that can swim, including Paul, they swim to this island, of which they don't even know what island that they're at. No. And so they, they get there, and they get on land, and some people encounter them. And one of the things they're doing quickly is building a fire to eat, I think. And a snake jumps out and bites Paul's hand. <laughs> okay. like It's just not getting... No, it's just <laughs> it's not, not getting it's better. It's not going well for him. It's not going, this is not a great day. Right. It says... Okay, this is what it says in, in Acts 28. I mean, this is right in here, okay? But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to them, them, they changed their minds and said, maybe this guy's a god. You could see why they would be confused. Yeah. If there's I mean, multiple gods and this guy didn't die from a viper, well, that's pretty powerful. That's, yeah. But it seems moment. like the Holy Spirit is using that to give them him some unusual credibility with the folks mm-hmm. at that time. And then it finds out, once again, a little bit awkwardly, that a bunch of people on the island have dysentery. At least that's the way it's translated mm-hmm. in the NIV. So that's awkward. Yes, it's, yeah. And there's actually this mass healing where a bunch of these people end up being healed. So God is showing up in this powerful way, and Paul is joining in with that by being the conduit of the Holy Spirit in this space. in this space. And uh, then he ends up, and it doesn't say, it's so interesting what details are left out, but somehow there's a ship that actually was willing to take him to Rome. But remember, he's not a free man. He's going to Rome, but not as somebody who is, I'd like to take a trip to Rome. Once again, this is not a trip to... To, yeah. On a vacation. Um, and so when he gets there, he's put under guard by a guard that's going to be with, some guard is going to be with him day and night. And he's allowed, to, he's allowed to, it says, stay in a home, but he's under house arrest. And he actually preaches the gospel in a public space while a guard is standing next to him. So that's, that's not on my list. I don't think that's happening. No. <laughs> no. So, and then, and then that's the end of the book of Acts. And so there's more to the story that we'll get to later. But I mean, how crazy. It's strange because he gets to Rome. Right. I mean, in the end, he well, gets way back, to, he was saying, "I long to be with you." I long to you. be with you. I want to get there. Yeah. But I mean, no one plans this. Nobody would have Nobody signed up for that this. plot twist to get to Rome. I long to be with you. Well, you're going to have to go through a shipwreck, swim to shore, be, be bitten, bitten by a viper. How about that? I would have been like, "Never mind." Yeah. You're fine. Alternatively, I'll stay where I am. Thanks. Yeah. Antioch's looking great. Antioch's looking really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll you'll be fine. You'll be fine. But but he had this on his heart. Yeah. And I sometimes wonder about how the Holy Spirit speaks to us about things that are way ahead of time and we don't really know. And then mm. later on in life, we get there and we say, okay, well, I'm glad I didn't actually know what happened between there yeah. and now. But I am glad that I'm here now. Because if I'd have known, I would have changed. Yeah. I would have done the plot twist. I would have caused my own plot twist yeah. and said, I'm out of this. Um, but I do think that Paul, you know, while he is definitely not a perfect person or a perfect leader, that's pretty obvious, I think. Um, it's, he's clearly someone who's willing to follow the Holy Spirit even when yeah. it's risky and when he doesn't know by any means what the what three steps ahead. He just knows the next one. And he follows in. So, so in this time of house arrest, he ends up writing Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, Philippians, 
some of us would say that some of our favorite verses, verses are, are our understanding of who God is yeah. came out of those. Came uh, out of those books. And I'm excited for us to continue to talk about those over these next mm-hmm. few um, months. But but this is just a powerful story of what it looks like to respond to the Holy Spirit in the midst of plot twists. And um, I, I don't think it's helpful for us to say, well, at least our life isn't like Paul's. No. <laughs> because it's not. But to say we experience plot twists. Yeah. And some of these plot twists that Paul experienced, I feel like God was leading him. And other ones, this is what was happening and God was using him. Yeah. And so I think that it's really powerful to, to trace his story. But it brings us back to this question. So this is what it looked like for Paul to figure out how to follow the Holy Spirit in the midst of a very unusual time. Um, but what does that look like for us? Let me read the very last part of Acts. I'll have it up here on the screen. This is the last, last two sentences in the book of Acts. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. It's the very last words of the book of Acts before we go on in the story. Mm. I'll admit and say, I don't think boldness and, and a lack of hindrance would come naturally to me if I had gone through what no. he had experienced. No, I'm, I'm amazed even. I, you know, you, you read these verses again and again just the last two words without hindrance and you're like technically you're under house arrest right technically there are these and yet nothing is defining right he's not defined by those circumstances the spirit of god is moving and working and accomplishing all these things even though on the surface uh, on paper as it were none of this makes sense right and here we are physically hindered Mm -hmm. but the holy spirit's not hindered yeah and that's such an important thing for us to remember. It's important because I think our, and it's understandable really that our circumstances can define our reality right. because it's, it's real, right. but define our expectations of what God can do as well. Right. And I think this is, is these verses, well, all of Acts, is just that disruptor to our sense of, yes, this is your reality. These are your circumstances, right. but the spirit of God is still on the move and isn't limited by them. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I think, I think it's a po- moment for us to ask this question together. How do we follow the Spirit's lead even in the plot twists of life, um, the one we're in right now, mm-hmm. uh, the many others that we've faced in the past and will face in our life? Yeah. What does it look like to do that? And I think to even just start and say, it's okay to say that this is not easy, that this oh, is a gosh. very challenging thing to do. And I feel that for our community, just how, how disruptive this truly is. And of every aspect of our life, you know, every, it, this touches everything in our life. But at the same time, so does the Holy Spirit. And the question is, the, what we talked about last week, Will we be looking for acts of the Holy Spirit? Mm. Will we bring those, what yeah. we notice to other people and community? That's something that you and I have done a lot in our life. Bring those, well, I think the Spirit might be saying this, mm. what do you think? And then be willing to make those bold moves of faith. Just make a move, even though, gosh, sometimes I really don't know. I really don't know if it's the right move or if there even is a right move. But there's this just try to follow the Spirit's lead yeah. in those times. So you have a couple stories that we've talked about over these last few mm. weeks that have even come up again. Stories I've heard in the past, but they've become really relevant in my mind to this mm-hmm. time. And I thought that it would be beneficial for you to just share those stories mm-hmm. with our community. I think the power of story is really meaningful in this time. Mm-hmm. And so I thought first about the story of, uh, you, as we were talking, you were mentioning the, these types of events in the world that are so big that they have this, this seismic shift in mm-hmm. the world. But they can also do big things within us. They can yeah. also cause us to be shifted in our own mm-hmm. life in really powerful ways. And you mentioned uh, a person in your life that was super meaningful to you mm. who the World War II yeah. uh, shifted her life in a way that mm-hmm. 
impacted you and many, many other people. Yeah, um, I was um, referring to my Aunt May and my Aunt May um, was alive around World War II and she had left school as a, ch as a child um, because she'd been bullied by one of her teachers. And what had happened during the war effort in World War II, as the men went to war, women stepped into roles that were, they were not conventionally expected to step into. Right. And so she was in the fire service. But what was happening in London is what was known as the Blitz, um, a series of bombings. And so children were evacuated wow. for their own safety, for their own well-being um, to other parts of the country. Now, although May had never wanted to get married, she'd never wanted to be involved um, in that kind of way, but she did love children. And so what she did, she was inspired by what she was seeing around her and thinking, this is what I can do, knowing that functionally she's illiterate, wow. but she knows that she can take care of kids. She can cook for a kid. She wow. can be there for a kid. And it was surreal because everybody's out of their depth at that point. No one knows how long this is going to go. Yeah. No, there's no handbook. There's no this. handbook for World War II, even though there had been a world war, but the, the prime minister earlier had said, we had peace in our time in 1930. <laughs> that was what was expected. Right, right. And then it descends into this desperate, wow. desperate time for years years and years and years and so she in the midst of this begins to start fostering children wow. and continues and it's I think what strikes me most about her story is that in the midst of tragedy the unknown where she's completely out of her depth yeah. and where she would have acknowledged she was out of her depth that she uncovers something that becomes her life's calling yeah and so um, from World War II onwards she begins to foster children and she wow. does so for decades yeah. decades and decades until she fosters me in the seventies, so I am until I am one of those babies, um, and I, and I remember her telling these stories of yeah. this time. She didn't talk much about it, to be honest, yeah, but just could because I yeah. mean it's utterly Tragic. traumatic. But but she she did talk about that shift in her life to this moment where she said, "I always loved kids, and that's what I could do." Yeah, and the I, moment presented itself. The moment presented itself, and it wasn't it wasn't the game plan. It certainly wasn't the vision board. <laughs> Definitely wasn't yeah, the vision board. I think well, we've all set fire to those. Um, <laughs> if, you <laughs> yeah, had one, if we had one, we don't anymore. <laughs> yeah. Hello, goodbye. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I I think I've thought about her a lot in this time, partly because I, you'd see organisations and like World Health Organisation and the UN referring to World War Two as we've not seen anything like. Yeah, this right as yeah. as landscape shaping, as world redefining, and and I think that is overwhelming and vulnerable. Totally. And her story reminds me of one, and she was one of many who uncovered a different sense of purpose and story in the midst of it that le that left a legacy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, do you even have an idea of how many kids there were that she ended up fostering? About a hundred. Wow. Yeah, we were we were the last because she was in her seventies by the time yeah. she she fostered me and my brother, and maybe there were a couple of kids after that. Wow. Um, because I think because it was time for her to yeah, stop. Right. But yes, and some would be for a, a night or two. Others were for years. We were six years. Six years. Um, yeah. There were others who may, may have been a couple of months, but that was her life. Yeah. And that became her focus in her life for the rest of her life. And I'm always so struck by how powerful her role in your life of those six mm. years and how many times you refer to the impact that she's made on your life. Oh my goodness. I mean, she has, and I think every child who encountered her long-term would say she reset. I mean, it's wow. amazing that someone who found their calling in the midst of great instability becomes the stability for a generation of people. I mean, because that's what she did. That's what this is. And I think some of us, if not many of us, will either find our calling or find a new part of our calling yeah. in the midst of this instability that will allow us to be stability for other people in the world as the, yeah. the church call is part of the it's church's called to call. this moment. Yeah. yeah. To this moment to respond, to be that mm -hmm. for people. 
Well, I love that story, and there's a number. There's so many stories I could ask you to tell, but another one that's that felt mm-hmm. really poignant to me right now yeah. uh, is um, I went with you to England uh, years mm-hmm. ago now to see where your ministry really birthed and where you first cut your teeth in ministry, and uh, that was a really profound experience for me mm-hmm. to see what that was like for you. But you uh, you told a story. I think the first time I really heard it was when I was there with you about a time where you had helped plant a church, and then you all of a sudden were scattered into homes. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would be an interesting story to tell as well. Yeah. Um, the church, um, St. Thomas's, was a church, is a church that's an Anglican and a Baptist church joined together. So they'd already... Unlikely pair. An unlikely pair, but somehow we'd all been friends. And we'd had this vision to plant downtown into the city. Yeah. And so we'd moved um, and we'd planted in the city. We were in a nightclub. And it was a largely young adult church, Gen X's as we were. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Gen X's. And um, we'd planted into the city and it was, so the church was probably 80% between 18 and 35. Okay. That was the stats. And was in the region of, I don't know, 1,500 or so yeah. uh, who were regularly part of the church. And again, in a, in a city that 2% went to church on a Sunday. So we felt quite good about this moment. Yeah. We felt very excited because we're planting into the city. It's awesome. We're awesome. Um, <laughs> we're, we're wonderful. And we're, we're kind of doing something different. We were already, we had kind of a neighborhood focus in some of our groups and yeah. all of that. But we still had this big gathering. Yeah. Until we discovered that the building was live in terms of electrically live. We never oh. put a picture up in the nightclub because... Yeah. It, it was going to be a big work. I mean, right, right. It, we all had other memories of that nightclub. I shall leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> what, the, what the club meant to everybody. Um, and um, the fire service came in and said, you can't stay here. Like it is physically unsafe. It is physically unsafe. And this was like two weeks before Christmas. So we were just oh, building God. up for all it's the Christmas. <laughs> it's Advent. And we did Advent. And we did Christmas. Because those are the only times you can really get people in. Right. Is is. England does Christmas carols, liturgical times, and, liturgical yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. and so it was one of our main missional impulses to invite everybody in. And they're like, "You can't invite them in here. Wow. This is, and this is not healthy for no. anybody." And so I remember us begging them and saying, "Is there anything we can do?" And um, they said, "You've got four weeks, and then you're out." Wow. They gave us four weeks. Said, they, and they gave us a few things that we could do and said, these are things you must not even remotely yeah, do. And then you have to get out. Yeah. The other part of that, I, as I was on a ministry trip to New Zealand from Boxing Day, day after Christmas Day onwards, I was meant to be gone for four weeks. Wow. And you're leading this. And I'm leading. I was the college pastor and the youth pastor at the time. Wow. So that, um, in a church which is predominantly young. Yeah, right. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And <laughs> m- many of my leaders were 19 and 20. Yeah. And we have no building. We have no building. We have no meeting space. And at four weeks' notice, how do you get a big building to go and be part of? Right. It's just not a thing. And it's not outside. It's it's cold. It's Sheffield, England. <laughs> it's cold and it's winter. But it, it in the next, within those three, four weeks, we had to launch all our communities into wow. our homes. Wow. We just had to launch. And whether we felt ready or not, we didn't have a choice. We had no building. Right. Um, and... The, whoever were the community leaders became the leaders of these things now. Yeah, right. These houses, um, these house communities, yeah. w- and the call was still the same, but the vehicle was completely different. Right, right. And we would not have, not, none of us planned it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, was, it was hard. It was, I felt very vulnerable. In many ways, we felt smaller. I remember I, most of my friends were married. I was single. I'm like, how am I going to meet anybody now? <laughs> like, like, what is this? This is seriously. Like, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, this is putting a major damper on my dating <laughs> this, game. Because Which I think a lot of people might feel like that right I mean, now. <laughs> I mean, real talk. Because also, it was before the days when 
the online stuff yeah. was a real thing. There wasn't going to be live stream no. worship services and there wasn't going to be online No, games. there was nothing. <laughs> so everything was gone. Yeah. Um, but it was this incredible time of, because we are so weak. Yeah. I mean, I would love to say we really depended on the Lord. No, we crashed onto the Lord. You had to depend Because on we Lord. had nothing. Right. And and yet the, yet the stories, I mean, I remember these experts would say that your church has gone down. It's been a wonderful in- innings. It's been great. Well done. Yeah. Um, but a year later. Kind of, we, what do you say? <laughs> I mean, it's like, have a lovely funeral. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, but a year later, when we by the time we'd got a building, the the groups had multiplied. Wow. So every group had had multiplied. Did you see people who you would hope would come to like a Christmas service? Be willing to come in and connect with people on that smaller level. Yeah, because it was safer because they were built around meals, they were built around interests, they were built around music or sport or art or um or food. They yeah, were neighbors. Right, they were right, your neighbors coming lived. in. Yeah. And all you had was the story of what Jesus had done in your life. Right. And so we were equipped to pray for someone who need you know, you're we're thinking okay, this is the church in Acts right, <laughs> and everything. Hello. And we're, we're equipped to pray for people, but you're not calling them up to the front to receive prayer. Right. There's no pastor there. You're not in front of your professional No, Christian. no, it's like you. You're right. going to have to be the one who yeah. prays for them now. Yeah. So, but we're seeing people healed, families transformed, encounters. Um, and and I, ironically, the vulnerability, you had nothing left to lose. So there was a boldness that came. Yeah. Um, I remember talking to um, a woman in a, on the street and beginning to say and and beginning to have a sense of maybe God was saying something to her and I said look I don't know if this makes any sense but here's a picture that comes to my mind as I'm talking to you does this mean anything and she'd been through this devastating divorce where wow. the church had blamed her um, for it even wow. though I mean anyway yeah and she had never walked back in wow. since then she was so, she was so wound so devastatingly wounded and um, and that Sunday her and her family were in the church Wow. And she recommitted her faith, recommitted her life to the Lord. Wow. Because because by that point, that was at the end you were of just the, following the Holy Spirit. Because we're just like going with these nudges yeah. of this could be weird, this could be great. <laughs> so we're going to say it in a way which doesn't make anybody feel like right. under massive pressure, but we're going to be open to what God's doing and saying, look, I'm just learning this stuff, but I really think God is real and he cares about you. Right. And and it became so much simpler. Right. We just think God is really cares about you. Come and come and be part of come and be part of this. Come and come into our Come and eat with us. Come and, you know, or we go to where they were. We're going to hang out at this time or we're going to meet here. Yeah. And it was, it was transformative. And I think even, I'm still in touch with a number of the people who were my leaders at the time. It marked us. Yeah. It marked us. Well, I think I wanted you to tell that story because it resonates so much with what we're experiencing right now Mm -hmm. in the sense that all of a sudden we're not able to, yeah, very different reason, but we're not able to meet together in Mm -hmm. a large group and we're shoved into our homes. We're, we're, we're scattered into our homes on house arrest. And um, I, I'm excited because I do think there's an opportunity for some of these things to happen. Not in a, okay, it's rose-colored glasses, but, but that God can use this disruption. Yes. And that people, there, there is, we're able to see that people are Googling questions about God yeah. on a significant increase right now. Yeah. The spiritual curiosity of the world is heightened. Is heightened. Will we be there to follow those mm-hmm. nudges? Yeah. Our that's, friend Bree. That's the question. No, Bree from Melbourne. She yeah. was saying, she said, in droves. Wow. Now, and again, Australia was seen as a post-Christian context, right. not remotely interested. Yeah. Melbourne, this, I mean, there are parts of Melbourne that remind me a lot of Northeast. Yeah. In terms of the arts and the vibe and everything, in droves, they're wow. searching yeah. and seeking yeah. right, right now. And so I, I feel like what's going to happen when we can start to gather in smaller groups, but we can't be in a large group yet. Um, we're gonna we're gonna try to encourage and connect people and and see what happens I when think, we start to connect in our yeah. homes and in other places and around where we live mm-hmm. around things we're interested in and see if there's some space made for the people who are spiritually curious to yeah. say 
we believe God's real and that God cares about you. Yeah. It'd be really powerful. Potential's huge. Yeah. Huge. Well, this is our question to take with us. How do we follow the Spirit's lead even in the plot twists of life? What does that look like? Uh, we talked about that last week. Look for the acts of the Holy Spirit. Bring it to community. Make a move of faith. But I think that leaves us with these very specific questions that I want everyone to take with them. What does noticing the Spirit look like for you in your life, as we talked about last week? How is the Spirit inviting you to actually join in, in your own life, in your neighborhood, in your family? Mm. And what's your next move of faith? Because you don't need to know the next three or four, just the next no. one. That's what Paul was trying to do, just one move at a time. And I'm struck with the plot twist that the invitation, it may not feel like an invitation at first. Right. You know, but... The, the wind is blowing the wind. Ship. You're like, I wasn't even going in this direction. Right. These weren't the gifts I thought yeah. were on offer. I feel completely out of my depth. Right. And yet, and the yet. Spirit is offering partnership with you to do something new yeah well we've been praying and wondering about what god might be doing in this time and i'm excited Mm -hmm. to see um in the midst of the of the grief and the sorrow about a lot of things yeah the holy spirit is continuing to 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 move and uh when that happens we see things that only could happen with god only absolutely would you be willing to just pray for our community as we close yes let's pray i'm gonna close my eyes even though you can't see that (laughs) because it just feels normal that way Father God, we do want to thank you that um, you are bigger than these circumstances. And yet you see the intricate things that each of us are encountering. That although we are in the same storm, as it's said by so many people, we're not in the same boat. But yet you know each boat we're in and you're in it with us. And I thank you for that. But Lord, I pray that you would also show us as a community, you'd show Mill City as a community and all our various groups within what this opportunity is. Show us what you're inviting us to. Invite us forward. Show us what the wind of the Spirit is doing in our communities, in our workplace, in our friendship group, in our interest groups. And show us the next step. Lord, I thank you that you're not asking us to be strategists and know all the right things. You're asking us to invite the Spirit of God to move in us, to move through us, and send us out. So we invite you, Spirit of God. Would you move in us? Would you move through us? And would you lead us outwards to a broken world that they may encounter the grace and the goodness of the living God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Joe. Thank you.